Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest episode of the Talk That Talk show with Barry Holmes. You know that's me. And we are here for our 10th episode. Um, yeah, give a clap. We are, we are at 10 episodes now. Um, it just seems like yesterday when I just started this podcast, and now we're streaming in over 40 different countries. Um, I've been played in over 170 different cities, not a hundred, not 17, 170 different cities have listened to the talk that talk show. And we're at 734 all time plays on Spotify, Google podcasts. Um, we're also on iTunes. This, this show has really grown and I can, and it only has been able to been growing as fast as it has all because of the great fans that I have out there. I want to shout out to Savion Gaynor, who's our first watcher on the Facebook live stream. Shout out to him. Um, I want to shout out my dad, who's really been a, a, a big help for me and instrumental. We, we call him uh, the production manager. And also, who needs a soundboard when you have a great dad like me? So, you know, this show has really come together. And... I look forward to every Tuesday, and I hope, you know, my viewers and listeners out there, they they look forward to it just as much as I do. Every Tuesday, 7 p.m., the Talk That Talk show will be there. Um, I had a very difficult, you know, weekend and uh, past couple of days. Um, I was actually the victim of a hit-and-run accident. I was driving home. And literally as I'm making a right-hand turn into Rite Aid, somebody slammed right into the back of my car. Um, all I remember just seeing is just like a white flash. And when I opened my eyes, I was in the parking lot. My car was all mangled up. Um, I, put my, I put a lot of time, a lot of money into that vehicle. And you know, that was something that I've used you know, as my transportation means. And you know, I really loved that car. And, you know, I was I was really down for you know a day or two when you know I had that hit and run accident. Um, you know, I felt as though you know I was doing everything right that I was supposed to, and you know, you know yet something you know really bad happened to me. And of course, it's a uh, human nature to feel upset. Um, I was really down, and it wasn't until my father you know took me out in the backyard, and you know he had a cigar and I had a beer. It kind of just took my mind off things and. You know, he really just reminded me that, you know, even though some things do happen to us, you know, the world doesn't stop. Um, you know, nobody cares that, you know, I, I you know, had whiplash and my neck was, you know, really still hurts. Um, had a tough time sleeping at night because I can't get comfortable because my neck is killing me. Um, you know, nobody cares. Uh, the, the, the kids at the school that I that I have to service every single day, you know, they don't care whether, you know, Mr. B you know, has had something happen, you know, in his personal life, they depend on me to put smiles on their faces. Um, you know, my bowling team, they depend on me to make my 10 pin. They depend on me to make strikes and string strikes together. Um, you know, my mom depends on me to, you know, help out around the house. Um, you know, my brothers and sisters depend on me to be a great brother and sister, a great friend. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, depend on me to, to be the consistent person that I am, especially our viewers out here. You all depend on me to deliver you a quality show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And, you know, that's my job. So I think that 
you know, this this accident that happened to me, it, it was a blessing in disguise because it just kind of helped to remind me that there are bigger things out there. And, you know, I have a service to do and I have a job to do. Regardless of what happens to me, I have to be consistent and I have to be the instrumental driving force to delivering you this Talk That Talk show. I am a podcaster. This is who I am. And I have to do a great job of getting better each and every week. So like I said in my last episode, Troy gave me great feedback saying that I had to eliminate the word you know. And that's also part of my progress as a as a podcaster. And that's what I'm going to try and do to get better. So, you know, hold me accountable if you're my friend. Send me a text message. Let me know how you think this show is. Um, to all my new viewers out there, thank you for listening in. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we're going to be here every Tuesday, 7 p.m. The Talk That Talk show is here, and we're not going anywhere. Nowhere. Nowhere. So we're going to go on to our top news for the day, some of the things that I've looked at on ESPN. And one of the things that popped up is that our boy Paul George is going to have surgery on his torn rotator cuff. Um, he will miss the start of training camp next year. And one of the things that I was reading um, that I thought was pretty interesting of a question is, do you think that Paul George regrets going to Oklahoma City? And, you know, I really don't think that, you know, PG does um, regret that. I think that when you look at what Paul George was able to accomplish this year, he had one of his best, you know, seasons to date. Um, he really was scoring the ball when he was healthy. And I think that, you know, in that playoff series, you could really tell that something wasn't right with Paul George. Um, and I think this, you know, information that he did have the torn rotator cuff, I think that only talks and gives a little bit of um, an explanation as to why Oklahoma City lost the way they did. Um, I really hope that Paul George does get healthy and this surgery does help him out because he's one of the most prolific players in the NBA when he is healthy. Um, if you remember what he went through, he went for that went through that horrific uh, leg injury where he broke his leg, and that that's really you know it's really hard to come back from. To, so to see you know where Paul George is at now, I just hope that he gets better, and you know I wish him all the best. Um, another piece of thing that I saw was, um, and I was really disappointed about this. Um, I saw that Ennis Cantor saw some you know some really hateful trash talk in the last game. And I know me and my father have done it when we went to the garden. We've heckled people um, when it, going back to when Grant Hill used to play on the Pistons. We were shaking uh, Sprite bottles up saying, where's your Sprite, Grant? Where's your Sprite, Grant? Um, when Kevin Durant was um, on the Oklahoma City Thunder, he had his, his head down and a towel over his head. And we're like, look at the scoreboard. Look at the scoreboard. So, I mean, heckling is a part of the game. But I think that as uh, an NBA player and as a professional athlete, you know, it's no different from any other workplace. You have to have an environment that is healthy and you don't want to have anything that is coming at you in a hateful, you know, potentially racist way. And one of the fans that was at the Denver Nuggets game told Ennis to go back to Turkey. Oh, wait, you can't go back to Turkey. And, you know, it, it was really disappointing to me to hear that. Because here we are in 2019 and you still have people that, you know, are making these, you know, type of, you know, trash talking things. 
Um, I don't know if you remember Russell Westbrook experienced this in Utah earlier on in the season when a fan, you know, told him some derogatory things. But, you know, this Western Conference, I don't know what it is as far as when you go out West, but um, the fans just need to do a better job of respecting the athletes. I mean, you're paying X amount of dollars to go out and see a great game, and you can't just go out and heckle these people to the point where, you know, you're, you're, you're disrespecting their, their heritage. Um, I think that maybe the NBA is going to have to impose some sort of higher penalty for the fans that, you know, are heckling as bad as they are because, you know, every player in any professional sport has the right to, to play the game that they love, you know, without this racist and, you know, terrible jargon. I mean, I just think, you know, when you, when you think about, the stuff that's happening in the NBA. And then you look over at soccer where you have people throwing bananas on the field at, at our black soccer players. Um, it's just something that is a bigger issue, not just in the NBA, but also in sports in general. So let's hope that that can, you know, get cleaned up a little bit because it's really making our sport, you know, not, not that great to watch and, and not, and I feel for Ennis Cantor. So especially him being an old Nick, um, we're going to switch, a little bit from the NBA to some other news um, in baseball. We got Dallas Keuchel, who I'm still shocked has not been signed by any baseball team. Um, when you look at his problem, he, he's asking for a lot of money. Um, he's asking, well, he actually denied a one-year $17 million contract. Um, he went to the World Series and pitched very well for the Houston Astros two years ago. Um, he had a, a, a decent, was I think, 12-11 and 11 record uh, last year. And when you look at kind of the reason why he hasn't been signed, a lot of teams are a little wary because if they wind up signing him before the MLB draft, then they are going to lose a draft pick. And, you know, Dallas Keuchel is somebody that I do believe will be signed by the end of the year, uh, definitely after the draft. But, you know, it kind of speaks to... You know, I give, applaud him, and it kind of, you know, Le'Veon Bell has set this trend by, you know, sitting out, and, you know, a lot. you're going to start to see that a lot of players are not going to just take, you know, the cheap way out, or they're not going to just bail out these teams. Um, when you look at Tom Brady, I mean, obviously he's taking less money so that he can keep the Patriots intact, but, you know, not everybody's Tom Brady, and not everybody's married to Giselle, okay? So these players need their money. And I understand Dallas Keuchel holding out. So, you know, I hope that a team does take a chance with him. You know, maybe even our Mets because, you know, Jason Vargas is, is terrible. Um, we need some help, you know, in the back end of our rotation. And I know a lot of other baseball teams that do need some help on their back end of the rotation. So let's hope that Dallas Keuchel can get his money. But more than likely, it's going to happen after the MLB draft. And this is something I was really excited about. For a lot of people that don't know you know, baseball, this guy Shoho Itani just came back and he is a pitcher and a hitter for the Los Angeles Angels. He's supposed to be the, our generation's Babe Ruth. And if you know about Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, you know, made his staple by being a pitcher that was also a, a dangerous hitter, you know, back in the, what, the 40s, 30s. And, you know, Babe Ruth is somebody that, you know, you don't really see that often or really at all in the MLB. And Shoho Itani is the closest thing to that. So this guy is uh, a phenomenal pitcher. Um, he had Tommy John surgery last year, so he had to sit out the rest of the last year. 
Um, I looked into it. He will not be pitching this year, but he will be making his start back um, against the Tigers, and he's going to be batting third. So if you're a baseball fan, definitely check out the Angels game today because Shoho Itani is a generational talent. Um, I know that I, I said Porzingis is not a generational talent. I stand by that. But this guy Shoho Itani is. Anybody that can throw the fastball and strike out guys the way that he does and then can turn around and knock it out the park for you in the American League, that's a guy that you got to watch. So um, shout out to Shoho Itani for making his comeback. Um, but some a team that really does need to make their comeback is my New York Mets. Um, we've lost four of our, you know, we've lost the last four games. You get swept by the Brewers. And the biggest thing that's been the problem with our Mets is that we're just flat out not hitting. Um, when you go four games and you only have six runs in four games and they got shut out yesterday, um, that really speaks to how much the batting is an issue for New York. If you look at the, the beginning of our, um, if you look at the beginning of our season, you know, the hitting was kind of getting us past the inconsistency that we've saw from our pitchers. But, you know, when you have Pete Alonzo, who was our, you know, celebrated guy who has taken over that role and that, that consistency at first base, he goes 0 for 4 last game and his batting average is down to 271. Now, I know 271 is still a pretty good average, but the guy was hitting almost 400 just a couple weeks ago. You're talking about Wilson Ramos, who I said was our RBI machine, who was, you know, kind of driving the train for the Mets for the past couple uh, weeks. But, you know, now he's down to 236 average, and he hit 0 for 4 yesterday. So, you know, the Mets have dropped down to third in the NL East. But I am not ready to hit the panic button just yet. I'm not ready to hit that panic button because, you know, baseball is a, is a game of streaks and it's a game of runs, and it's a very long season. There's no other sport like baseball. So with the Mets, what they just have to do is they got to get some more work with Chili Davis, their hitting coach, try and get some more quality at bats out of, you know, the bats that they're having, and, and just maybe try and get back to small ball, you know, getting some hits out there. Hit the ball right back up the middle. Try and bunt some guys to, to get some guys over. Because when you're not hitting home runs and you're not hitting doubles and triples, you got to start to manufacture some runs. And the Mets just can't keep going, you know, four games at a time and only getting six runs. Because that's just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it in the National League East, especially in a division that's as wide open as it is. So if the Mets want to, you know... Do some work, do some damage. We got to do a better job of hitting that baseball. Um, shout out to Jeff McNeil, who has you know solidified that you know leadoff spot. He's been hitting very well, still hitting over three hundred. Anywhere, yeah, he, he can play anywhere. And um, Jeff McNeil, he's been that rock for us. Let's hope that he can continue to trickle down to the rest of the team because he's one of been a, a great utility guy for us. Moving on into the NBA, um, one of the things that I saw and I was a little disappointed about, but as a Knicks fan, I'm, you know, gringing inside, yes, yes. But the Celtics are down 1-3 to three to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, it, it, it's very, it's a very interesting thing because I remember Paul Pierce saying that after the Celtics won the first game that uh, the Bucks were in trouble. 
But on the flip side, when we think about it, I think the Celtics are really in trouble here. Um, I'm just I'm not even going to think about this season, but I think towards next season too. Um, Kyrie Irving has had one of his worst three game playoff stretches in his career. Um, I think it's funny that we say that because in his you know last two games he still had 23 points and 29 points, but when you look at the field goal percentage. Um, it's really, you know, he's really had a hard time shooting the basketball. Um, he shot 31% in the, in game what four, shot 36% in game three, 22% in game two. So I look at Kyrie Irving, and when he left LeBron on the Cavaliers, he really left to be that guy. He wanted to be that guy. He, he was tired of being LeBron's little brother. But I think what we're starting to see now is that Kyrie is seeing just how hard it is to be the man. Um, He's had at least three turnovers each of the last three games, and that's not something that you want to see out of your point guard who has the ball a lot of the time. And I think that if the the Celtics do wind up losing this series, which I do believe that they are, um, you really have to start to think about Kyrie really transitioning to another team. I know everybody talks about him going to New York, but... I mean, if you look at some of the things that he said over the season as far as how he doesn't want to be a celebrity and, you know, how he's been in and out of being that leader role on this Celtic team, uh, you got to start to wonder, is he the right guy to come to New York? Um, I think that Kyrie has all the potential in the world, but I think that Kyrie also is someone that is going to need another complementary piece, as you can see with this Boston team, because, you know, we thought that him with Gordon Hayward, you know, with Jason Tatum, who's gotten a lot better, you know, we thought that with Kyrie Irving being healthy now, because he was hurt last season in the postseason, now that he's healthy, we would have thought that they would have had, that Kyrie would have put them over the hump now that he's healthy. But I think that now we're starting to see that, you know, Kyrie Irving is human. Um, he, he needs some help. And if he cannot go out and give people the the, 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 the uh, efficient scoring that we're used to seeing out of him, then I think you're really going to start to question a lot of Kyrie's greatness because, you know, greatness is defined about how you do in the postseason. And, you know, this is the, the first real postseason that we've seen Kyrie Irving struggle. So, you know, I, I hope that, I know this series is going to be over with with Boston. Um, it's a shame because Boston has a they have really great young talent, especially from going to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. But uh, Kyrie is you know it's it, it it's a really difficult situation there, and you know I think the Bucks are going to march right on to the next round of the playoffs. But is this is this next game uh, Kyrie Irving's last in a Celtics jersey? I don't know, but we'll have to see. Um, I definitely wanted to talk about this Rockets Warrior series because before, let me tell you something. I was always before the postseason saying that I think the Rockets are going to win this series. I said it before, and I was a little scared once they went down 0-2. I definitely was, but um, my boy Savion actually did say that you know, Houston was going to come back home and win the next two home games. And they actually did it. So they restored some faith for me. But now that we're starting to see that the series has started to shift to a more physical game. And I really like this quote, and I think it's very appropriate for this series. 
Um, Steve Kerr said this at in one of the press conferences after the game. He said, and he's referring to the Rockets. He says, they have linebackers and we have volleyball players. <laughs> Lean and thin. <laughs> so I think it's a really funny quote, but when you really describe the Warriors, they're getting punched in the mouth. You have P.J. Tucker, who's constantly in your stuff. You got Chris Paul, who's a dog, an absolute bulldog. Thug. Thug. And you got James Harden, who's playing like an MVP. And he got his eye eye socket almost knocked out by Draymond Green. The Rockets have a really good chance here. Um, I've said it before that they were going to win the series. But this series is going to come down to who can win the next away game, all right? One of these teams is going to have to win an away game. They're going to have to win one on the road. Um, right now, the the Warriors do have the home court advantage, so if if the Rockets can't steal one, the Warriors have that home court advantage, and they know how to play in the Oracle Center, especially if this is going to be their last season in the Oracle. I do not want to have to go and steal a game there if I'm down a game, so... You know, the Rockets are, are – they. it's really important for them to steal, I think, this next away game because if they have to go to a game seven in Golden State, I think that's going to be really difficult for them. Um, when you look at some of the Warriors' struggles in this past uh, two-game stretch that they've lost, you got to kind of see, you know, where has the ball movement been? When you look at how the Warriors play and when they play the beautiful basketball that they occasionally do – um, you see that they're making the extra pass. Andre Iguodala is, you know, leading the break, and they're making multiple passes. And, you know, what I've seen over these past couple games, and I want to see if the viewers have too, but, you know, the ball movement's been a little bit stagnant there. Um, we have, we've just been seeing a lot of watching Steph and watching Kevin Durant. And the one thing that I think that set the tone for this series is when in game three, when Steph Curry missed that dunk, and they came back, and they didn't foul, and they just said, ah, oh, we'll get them next time. It doesn't matter. This is the playoffs. The playoffs? This is the playoffs. This is not your your police athletic league. This isn't the, you know, the, the church league. This is the NBA playoffs. playoffs. And if you're ready to just give away games just because you're down five with less than 20 seconds left, you got to foul, man. And I think that this is what we talk about as far as the Warriors, how they think that they can just turn it on and off. And with that mentality, I think a team as hungry as Houston is, ooh, I, I think that they can really take, you know, the Warriors in this next uh, game. A and team of I think so. I think that Houston can really take this series. But um, it, it just comes down to having that, that aggressiveness and that hunger. And, and I see that, that lacking in Golden State. So let's see if, you know, Golden State can try and pick it up this next game in in the Oracle. But it's going to be really difficult for them if they have this mentality of that they can just turn it on and off. Um, And then somebody else that I got to talk, I've talked about him a couple times on this series, but I'm just really disappointed also in Joel Embiid yet again. Um, In game four, he had 11 points. And I I don't really care about that. Because Embiid is a, a great player. He's, he's been an unstoppable force for the 76ers. But whenever you step on the floor, you are looked to to produce. You have, especially if you're going around pl- proclaiming yourself as the best player in the NBA, 
You're telling, you're giving trash talk every single, you know, game. You're calling out other teams in press conferences. And now you're going to complain about your sick, your stomach hurts. Come on, bro. Jordan played one of his best games with the flu. I had whiplash from getting hit from a hit and run accident and then went out in a, a county tournament on Sunday and I bowled and I got fourth place. I wasn't out here saying, oh, my neck hurt. And you got Joel Embiid, who's a professional athlete making millions of dollars, who's complaining about uh, being sick. This is the playoffs, bro. I don't care if your stomach hurts, bro. If you're going out on the court and you're going out to represent the Philadelphia 76ers, you better go out there and play. Because I tell you what, on the other side, playoff Kyle Lowry actually showed up. You know, he he's not going out giving out goose eggs. And, oh, I forgot the Raptors got that boy, Kawhi Leonard, who is absolutely lights out right now. He's been playing like the MVP of the playoffs. They, he's had 39 points in the last game, 14 rebounds, and the guy shot 65%. Somebody on the Philadelphia 76ers is going to have to take a stand. And when I tell you what, what I saw with Joel Embiid is he is a great rim protector, you know, I, I've seen him countless times block Kawhi Leonard this series on uh, protecting somebody else on the backside. And that's the force that Philadelphia needs to slow down Kawhi. When Kawhi Leonard is getting any shot that he wants in the paint, and he's getting quality shots that the way he has been, I don't know if anybody can beat the Raptors in the Eastern Conference. I'm talking about the Bucks too. Because Boston showed that they can stop Giannis. Boston showed us that even if it was just for one game, they potentially gave Toronto the blueprint and gave Philadelphia the blueprint on how to slow down Giannis. So when I look at Kawhi Leonard, I look at this guy who's been an MVP of these playoffs, and the only thing that can really stop them is if Joel Embiid steps up for the Sixers to take this series. And there's no way that the Sixers can beat the Raptors without Joel Embiid. Because we already saw that Ben Simmons can't shoot a jump shot. We've already saw that, you know, J.J. Redick has been exposed on the defensive end. We've already saw that the bench that was supposed to be pretty decent for the Sixers isn't as great as it said they were. So now you're going to have to ride on the people that have brought you there. And Joel Embiid, this is not a time to be sick. Are you taking care of your body? Are you doing the things that you need to do? Because at the end of the day... The Sixers need Joel Embiid, and they don't need him to be saying, oh, I was sick, that's why we didn't play well, because that's an excuse, and that's terrible. You, we, as, as an NBA player, we do not have time for excuses, especially as analysts, we don't have time to hear them, all right? Because Joel Embiid, like I've said before, has all the talent in the world. He does not need to make excuses. Just say you had a bad game. I think people respect him a lot more. Because when you go out and you have a bad game and you say, oh, I needed an IV at 6 a.m., so what? This is the playoffs. So what? And the last series that I, you know, kind of want to talk a little bit about is the Denver Nuggets and, you know, the Trailblazers. Um, I got a chance to see the Nuggets and Trailblazers game, the last game. And this, I, I really do believe this is going to go seven games because, you know, both teams are pretty evenly matched. But the bottom line is this. What is your supporting cast going to do? Because we already know about Nikola Jokic. 
We already know about Damian Lillard. And I just look to see, you know, that supporting cast. Is Al Farouk Amino going to hit that corner three-pointer, right? Is, you know, Gary Harris going to be the lockdown defender that they need? Is Malik Beasley going to show up and give some bench points for Denver, right? Is C.J. McCollum going to be the Robin to Batman that is Damian Lillard? It's all about the supporting cast in this series, and I think the bench that shows up in this series is going to take the series. So, you know, I I really don't have a prediction here because it's all going to fall on the bench for both teams, and that's something that changes from, from game to game. So... Really, if you have a chance, stay up to watch that series because it's been very, very entertaining. And one of the last things I want to talk about before we close out this show is I said it before um, in, I think, a previous episode or episode before, but if you haven't had a chance to please check out the NHL playoffs because they have been just as exciting as the NBA playoffs have been too. Um, We've only had one Game 7 in the NBA playoffs and here in the NHL playoffs, the the last two games that we're going to have are game sevens. So if you get a chance to please check out that Dallas St. Louis blues game, I think that I think um, Dallas is going to go on the road. Uh, Zuccarello has helped them out throughout the season. Great midseason acquisition for Dallas. I think Dallas is going to go into St. Louis and take that game. And then the last game, I think it's tomorrow, is going to be Colorado Avalanche uh, against the San Jose Sharks. And I think I'm going to take the Sharks in the Shark Tank to beat Colorado. I know Colorado had a miraculous win in overtime to send it to Game 7, but uh, I, I really think that San Jose is tough to beat in the Shark Tank. So, you know, if you get a chance, if you have not watched any um, NHL games, please check out either the game seven tonight or the game seven tomorrow. Um, and that about does it for our show here. Um, I want to shout out some of our viewers and some of the people listening out here. Um, shout out to my boy Ace Boogie. If you ever need a car, go check him out at Honda dealership. He, uh, he's a great car salesman. He'll definitely give you a, a good deal. So shout out to my boy Boogie. I also want to give out a shout to my boy Jeff Farrell, as always. Love you, brother. Got to give another shout-out to my boy Peter Dunn. Um, always talking sports with me. Um, he's been a great friend to me. I uh, always want to thank you for listening, Pete. Um, want to shout-out to my boy Craig Garlowitz down in Florida, man. Um, I see you're doing great things with your bowling game. I wish I could bowl another game with you here in Jersey, man. Always want to shout you out. Um, another shout out to my boy Alex Balonis, uh, one of our loyal viewers and listeners. Always want to shout you out, brother. Then I want to shout out my boy Chris Carr, uh, one of the best Navy guys out there, uh, one of my my deepest, dearest friends from you know here in Edison. Uh, he's got got a lot of heart in anything that he does, and I always always want to shout you out, brother. So thank you for listening and thank you for tuning in. Then I also got to shout out my boy Kyle Cassett. From who shot you? Um, I know you're proud of me, and uh, remember the last time we were in Atlantic City covering that uh, boxing Hall of Fame series, and it was a lot of fun, you know, to, to spend some time with you, and and I just am really happy to to see that you've seen the growth in me as a sports journalist, and then now as a podcaster. So thank you for uh, tuning in, Kyle, and you know that about does it for our show. 
I got to give another shout out to our um, sponsors, BW Liquors located in Edison, Wick Plaza. We always do this for Dave. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. So shout out to VW Liquors. If you ever need some beer or liquor, go over there. They'll give you a nice deal. Uh, Want to shout out uh, our sponsor at Executive Bar and Restaurant located on 30 Menu Street. I'm going to be bartending this huge event on Saturday. If you get a chance, go to Executive Bar and Restaurant. Big Daddy Kane will be performing. Um, it's going to be a huge party. I'm going to be bartending it. So if you see me, I'll slide you a little extra shots on your drinks. Just come to Executive Bar and Restaurant located on 30 Menu Street. I believe the party starts at 6, uh, 6 or 7 o'clock. Get over there. Get some drinks. Get your nice suit. Come fly. I'll be there ready for you. And then shout out to, as always, my boy Cody Bromley at 91s.com. They have some of the best acid wash apparel. Um, you always got to support local guys that are doing the right thing. And that's what I'm all about here at Talk That Talk. So if you want to get some fresh gear, go check out their website, 91s.com. The code is ACID20. You get 20% off on the entire store. And whew, it just seems like these 30, 35 minutes just fly by. I wish I had some more time with y'all. But um, I got to have my beer with my dad. Um, I got to go, you know, have some fun, watch a little bit of these NBA playoffs. Always want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you to all our Facebook Live viewers out there. Um, I'm going to keep going hard, you know, regardless of what happens, whether it's something set us back a day or two days or sometimes things knock us off, you know, and, and throw us curveballs. You know, I just got to do my job to, to continue to keep fighting. Uh, we, we, we talk about it in bowling a lot about you know, regardless if you're missing shots or if you're not striking, you just got to keep fighting. So that's going to be my message to everyone out there in your life. Just keep fighting because the, the, the dark times will pass. So thank you always for tuning in. I love you all. And hey, we just finished our 10th episode. Talk that talk.